It's a great honor for me to be here at the Empire Club of Canada today, which is arguably the most famous and historically relevant speakers podium to have ever existed in Canada. It has offered its podium to such international luminaries as Winston Churchill, Ronald Reagan, Audrey Hepburn, the Dalai Lama, Indira Gandhi, and closer to home, from Pierre Trudeau to Justin Trudeau. Literally generations of our great nation's leaders, alongside with those of the world's top international diplomats, heads of state, and business and thought leaders. It is a real honor and a distinct privilege to be invited to speak to the Empire Club of Canada, which has been welcoming international diplomats, leaders in business and in science and in politics. When they stand at that podium, they speak not only to the entire country, but they can speak to the entire world. Welcome to the 119th season of the Empire Club of Canada. To our in-person attendees joining us at the Arcadian Court in Toronto, I'm delighted to be here with you today. And our virtual audience joining in live or on demand, thank you for your participation and support. This incredible community of colleagues and peers is the driving force behind our mandate to engage, debate, and advance the dialogue on issues of importance to Canadians. My name is Sal Rabani, and I'm the President of the Board of Directors of the Empire Club of Canada. To formally begin this afternoon, I'd like to acknowledge that we're gathering today on the traditional and treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the homelands of the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. But also like to acknowledge that today we have Chief Bruce and Chief Cornelius from the Treaty 9 communities of Martin Falls and Webekwe First Nations attending virtually. Welcome. This season, the Empire Club strives to bring you divergent and thought-provoking perspectives on issues that matter most to Canadians. Today's conversation will amplify the complexities involved with an opportunity to advance Ontario's position in a leading industry. I hope today's discussion will give you a positive perspective on what is possible to achieve when we work together and when we look for opportunities and challenges and take shared responsibility in managing Ontario's development. Turning to today's program, I want to recognize the Empire Club's distinguished press presidents, and I'd like to acknowledge my good friend Antoinette Tamillo, who's joined us here today. My fellow board director, Marcia Sika, uh, who tirelessly was instrumental and in put in a bunch of time to make this event a reality, and uh, we couldn't have done it without you. Thank you very much, Marcia. And to our staff and volunteers, thank you for your contributions in making this event a success. The Empire Club of Canada is a not-for-profit organization, and we'd like to recognize our sponsors who generously support the club and make these events possible and complimentary for our online viewers to attend. Thank you to our lead event sponsors, Pear Tree Canada, SNC-Lavalin, Thank you to our VIP reception sponsors, Hydro One and Layuna. And thank you to our supporting sponsor, Newport Aviation. And thank you to our season sponsors, Bruce Power and Hydro One. For those joining us online, if you require technical assistance, please start a conversation with our team using the chat button on the right-hand side of your screen or accepting questions from the audience for our speakers. And you can undertake to scan that QR code that you have uh, on your program booklet or through the Q&A uh, under the video player. It is now my pleasure to invite Steve Dyke, Vice President, Ontario Government Relations, SNC-Lavalin, to introduce our guest speakers. Steve, welcome. It's great to be here, uh, to be here in person with everyone. I have a, a word of advice as we, um, two words for you, as we head into the holiday season, and it's absolutely important to say yes to that extra dessert, that extra treat. The two words come from my daughter, stretchy pants. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so with regard to, um, for SNC, we have been working with indigenous communities and businesses for 75 years of the 110 years of operations in Canada. 
And over the last few years, like a lot of companies and indigenous communities, we've seen a trend that is super important and needs to strengthen in order for the Ring of Fire and other major projects across the country to, to take place. And that is indigenous-led processes for major projects. We've had the privilege of working with Martin Falls and Webquay First Nations to understand what an indigenous-led environmental assessment process means, which means, as for an example, looking at plant life from not only a Western science terminology, but understanding plant life across this country as part of community, part of ceremony, part of heritage, part of well-being, part of medicine. Moving into the commercial stages where we're now seeing indigenous communities, partners as equity holders, as partners at the center of the table developing projects. We're seeing that with Martin Falls, with Webequay First Nations, and it's a trend that will make the Ring of Fire successful. So moving into the discussion, it, it gives me great pleasure to provide you with a few introductory details of each of our panelists, each of them with unique experience and insight to share with us for making projects happen in Ontario and beyond. First, we have Minister of Mines, George Peary. As a former mayor of Timmins and leader in the private sector for, with more than 35 years of experience, he brings an invaluable combination of public and private sector experience that will benefit reconciliation and progress in the Ring of Fire. I'm also duty bound to point out that I met the minister just about an hour ago for the first time and put my hand out and said, Leafs or Habs? He said, Leafs, 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 Leafs forever. So thank you, Minister. We know it's going to be a good day. Next, we have Chief uh, Cornelius Wabas. Chief Wabas has had the privilege of representing his community for several terms and has provided vision and leadership that has not only inspired his community members, but his wisdom and advice that has been shared with the broader landscape of elected officials and private sector leaders. Also joining us, as Sal alluded to in his comments, is Chief Bruce Oshnipisakam. He's Chief of Martin Falls. He's been the Chief of Martin Falls since 2015. Under his leadership, Martin Falls First Nation has redefined its economic and social development objectives, including what the community wanted to do with regard to partnering in the development of the Ring of Fire. Our fourth panelist is Lawrence Baxter. An academic background in chemistry with more than a quarter century of public service. Thank you for that, Lawrence. With the Ministry of the Environment, Lawrence is a proud member of Member Falls First Nation. He's been a lead negotiator for several key initiatives and helps Martin Falls with regard to carving out the, the role for that community in the Northern Road Link project. Rounding, rounding out our panel, we have Mike Fox. Mike brings a rare blend of, of experience as an Indigenous business leader who has experience leading project work on behalf of communities while building partnerships with the private sector. A former Canadian Council of Aboriginal Business Board member, university lecturer, he's a force for good to strengthen the trend of Indigenous-led major projects. Over to you, Sal, and please a warm welcome for our panelists. Good afternoon. Well, welcome. Uh, this is a highly anticipated conversation, and I'm very excited. And I, I know that uh, we have two chiefs joining us virtually, and so we'll, we'll kick it off um, with with some of the questions. And I do have a device here, and so please do submit some questions. Um, uh, and, and the first question uh, is to Chief Wabas and, and Lawrence. Um, you know, what kind of benefits will your community see from road infrastructure? and uh, potential mine development in your traditional territories, and how will it address the challenges and opportunities your communities are facing today? And welcome. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, uh, my name is Cornelius Wabas. I'm the Chief of Webway First Nation. Uh, bonjour, everybody. Uh, welcome to the, to the event uh, this afternoon. Uh, thank you for inviting me to speak about the road projects in the Ring of Fire area. 
but uh, before I do, I wanted to share my uh, deep appreciation. The fact that the, the Ontario Minister of Mines with the mandate for the Ring of Fire did come to our community of Webeque to learn about our plans, our projects, and our aspirations, our community aspirations. Um, he came uh, during our summer festival uh, this summer, uh, this year, and uh, he met with uh, and spoke with our youth and the elders and kids and toured uh, the community. Um, we even took him to the airport, uh, the starting point of the Web Quest of High Road, and we took pictures with the minister at the initial brush clearing of the proposed uh, road to show him that Webuka is serious about the Ring of Fire. I know there are three road projects, Webuka Supply Road, uh, Community Access Road, and, and the more recent one, the Northern Road Link. All three roads have different proponents, and all three roads have distinct purposes. Webuka and Mart Falls will name these roads in their own language in the near future, hopefully uh, a naming ceremony with the Premier and the mines uh, minister. With that said, I think it's very important to know why we are doing this. As uh, Indigenous-led environmental impact assessment will, ha will help our community to make informed decisions about potential impacts and many opportunities in the Ring of Fire Road developments. For example, the supply road could help us move materials, supplies, and people from our remote Webuka Airport to the proposed mine sites. We're going through this process because we are not opposed to development, but we want to make sure that any developments are balanced. We want to ensure that our members can participate and that the needs and the well-being of our people and community come first. Our approach is about building our nations from within. It is building out, it is a building strategy based on our inherent rights and self-determination as First Nations. We want to be proactive, we want to be transparent, we want to be collaborative. But throughout the process, our community needs such as housing infrastructure and clean energy, where two First Nations must always be a front and center as the ring of fire develops. We want to make sure that Webuka and Martin Falls recognitions are not left behind on any potential community opportunities on our lands. Yes, we are stewards of our lands, but we're also stewards of our youth, youth's uh, future opportunities. I'd like to thank you and Miigwech for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, be present at the Empire Club and um, this uh, event that we hold today. Uh, I'm very glad to be here today. Uh, we're taking some time out from our, our Chiefs meeting today at uh, in Thunder Bay. We're meeting with the Matawa Chiefs and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, we're, we're glad to be here today to address uh, some of the questions and uh, some of the uh, uh, the panel questions that we're, we're, we're going to be uh, discussing today and uh, taking part. Uh, as, uh, as, you, as you may know, uh, Martin Falls is a, is, a, is a proponent for our community access road, Martin Falls Community Access Road, and uh, we have a web, website. And uh, it has a lot of information there that uh, that we've we've undertaken in the, in the past few years. We're also a co-proponent with Webuka First Nation on the Northern Road Link uh, that uh, just recently started, and, and we're excited about that. You know, for us, uh, these uh, these uh, these projects uh, uh, signal a start to. Uh, uh, something in the in the, in the near future, 
something great in the near future for our, our communities. And uh, you know, we would like to work in partnership with the industry and, and government with the, with the many issues that we have uh, at the table. Uh, you know, and uh, but we also want to work with our First Nations, uh, our Matwa First Nations that are also in close proximity to, to Ring of Fire and and uh, and move forward with our, our brothers and sisters at the Matwa First Nations. So uh, I'll leave it at that for now and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I think what I'll, I'll do is I'll, I'll actually just uh, start with the minister um, and, and we'll go through, uh, maybe just uh, have a, a quick round of introductions. Uh, I really appreciate everyone being here today. Um, and I, I just wanted to maybe just ask if you might be able to say a few words. And maybe I'll start here in my right. Oh, yeah, glad to be here. Look at this uh, full house here. I uh, always appreciate the invitations such as this. and, and uh, we did our best to try to get these two chiefs here, but uh, they're in high demand and could not, uh, could not attend in person. So uh, this is uh, the second best option. Um, really glad he was they were able to um, leave that meeting. Um, I'm uh, the project manager for the Webacquay Supply Road, as well as the co-lead uh, with uh, Qasim Sadiq. I don't know where he, where, he, where is he? Is he here? There he is. That's the other co-lead. Uh, he's also the project manager for the community access road. So I just want everybody to acknowledge that um, we're the technical leads uh, project managing the environmental impact assessments uh, for the um, all three roads. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Nice to see you all smiling faces. And my name is Lawrence Baxter. You know, seems to me that uh, I'm the go-to guy when the chief can make these meetings. <laughs> so, but anyway, I'm glad to be here, and uh, I know this is uh, exciting times, I guess, for me to, to, to still be in this type of work I'm doing. Because my previous job was uh, working for Ministry of the Environment, spent 25 years in Northwestern Ontario. By the time I left uh, the ministry, my region was from uh, Perry Sound to all the way to Manitoba border and north. That's how big my region was, you know. So, uh, and I visited a lot of communities in Northern Ontario. I think I visited all the communities in Land Territory. So, uh, in my other previous work. So, you know, so I pretty well know the layout of the land in Northern Ontario. Thank you. Well, good afternoon. It's a real honor for me to be here uh, with all the folks and the people that are listening as well to talk about the Ring of Fire. As we know, this is a once-in-a-generational opportunity here in uh, Ontario and, and Canada and, and possibly for the global as well. Uh, I must say that the first uh, uh, meeting I had uh, was, was in, in uh, Newfoundland, and it was the Minister of Energy and, and Mines Conference. Uh, and I left there and went to immediately to the community of, of uh, Webake uh, after being invited with uh, Chief uh, Wabas. And, and of course, Chief Bruce was there as well. And it was the great, the best time to be there because it was their summer festival. And what I did when I was there was that I listened. I listened. I listened to a vision that was expressed by the two chiefs and the other chiefs who were at the same facility. And I listened them, listened to them tell us about their vision for a healthier community, a stronger community, a vibrant community. And quite frankly, that was music to my ear, uh, ears as the Minister of Mines, as well as the Premier because on, uh, in that boardroom that day, there's a framed picture with, uh, and I think it's, it's, um, I think it's uh, Chief Wabas that was, uh, that's in that picture, uh, shaking his hand. Because we all know about what this is all about. You know, it's $14.6 billion uh, in, uh, increase in the GDP. It's about $2 billion more in revenue for the province of Ontario. It's going to be 5,800 jobs over 10 years, but it's more than that. It's building communities. It's building quarters of commerce and, and throughout Northwestern Ontario to do one thing, 
to improve the lives of the community members in Northwest Ontario. And that's the vision of the communities. It's as it should be. The two, the two communities are the proponents of the roads as it should be. And they lead the, consult, the, the consultation process with the other communities in their traditional territory as it should be. We're doing it differently here in Ontario because that's the, what, the, what the government of Ontario wants led by the Premier. We'll get this done and we'll be the best in the world to do it. Thank you very much, Minister. And uh, I think one of the keys is partnership. And you know, this has been a topic uh, that we've, we've heard about for some time, you know, the ring of fire. And I wanted to ask the panelists, you know, what have the conversations been like amongst officials and companies with interests in the ring of fire? And is this different from the past? And, and has any progress been made as a result? Anyway, I think what's so different about this whole uh, process that we're involved with is that, uh, you know, first of all, we are the proponents of the, the two projects I'm involved with, you know, and we also have signed an MOAs with the province, which is uh, very unusual, you know, you never heard of those kind of stuff 20 years ago. You know, normally the First Nations were ignored when there was going to be development in our territory, and that changed. And uh, I believe that uh, there was a protest over at uh, the Ring of Fire area back in. I can't. This was before my time. You know, and you know, and I think out of that protest that happened there, I think things changed, started to change. And I think that uh, it was really a wake-up call, not only for the industry, but also for the, for the government. And uh, so we made a lot of progress, you know, since then. You know, my, my brother was involved in that protest. And at that time, I think he was about 68 years old. And he took a snow machine from Nakina all the way to the Ring of Fire, escort camp. And I was just up there at Esker camp recently, and people still talk about him. So he's a legend up there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good story, right? And he said, and you know, he says, I was there for over a month, and everybody abandoned me. He says, it ended up, he says, that uh, the mining camp was feeding him. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so it's, 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 a, it's a good story. And, uh, you know, and those are kind of stories, you know, we like to hear, you know, how everything gets in, evolved over time, you know. And I think that's what we're trying to do here, you know, evolve this transition to, you know, how to communicate with our communities, how to communicate with government and industry. And I think that's what we're doing. So, so we're always pushing for that. Excellent. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, uh, before you probably guys heard about the uh, regional framework agreement, <clears throat> it was sort of this collective approach to try to uh, uh, come to a set of principles and a process towards uh, the ring of fire. It failed. It totally failed. Uh, it didn't go anywhere, yet despite the millions of dollars that were poured into it. Uh, and this new government uh, decided we're doing bilateral with host, uh, for willing communities. And uh, so that's the key distinction in this process where uh, Martin Falls and Webakwe said, like, we have a vision, we have aspirations, and uh, we want to lead it. Uh, not you guys, Ontario. You guys can support it, uh, and we'll lead it. And, um, and that became um, the process of um, the sort of the Indigenous-led EA. Uh, and, uh, and, and that became qualitatively different in terms of changing the relationships for everybody. That includes dealing with regulators who had to sort of learn about the indigenous principles, uh, um, the provincial provincial uh, principles, as well as the federal provincial, uh, and integrating all that into a process that's indigenous-led um, uh, uh, environmental impact assessment. And I think that's 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 what's um, enabled, you know, sort of the continuation, the momentum, uh, and looking at other aspirations uh, within um, sort of that that region. That doesn't mean the other communities are not involved. Like that, there's, uh, you know, you hear, you guys probably hear in the news, you know, you know, the the flare-ups. We capture that in our record of consultation. Like we we have uh, probably the most rigorous, robust 
record of consultation as indigenous-led projects, uh, whereby uh, it's probably almost weekly that we offered attempts to engage, to consult, um, almost on nation-to-nation -nation basis, you know, from one council to another. So we've out, we have uptakes on that. Like uh, we've you know been to uh, probably three, four communities where that nation-to-nation -nation discussion is happening. Uh, and then you get other subset because we have 22 communities in our list of, uh, of communities we have to engage in. And then you have the communities that want more, right? Uh, and so uh, they may not want to engage us directly. Sometimes they engage us through the media, uh, through their lawyers, you know, uh, but uh, we're always open, you know, like uh, at one point. And I think that's what's trans transformative, I think, uh, that Ontario uh, is happening. I think even with Hydro One, like, you know, with what their recent uh, announcement you know, 50% ownership of transmission lines. Now, that's probably shook the boots of the utilities across the country. No one, you know, those utilities, don't, they don't like anybody touching their lines, <laughs> kind of thing. So that enabling mechanisms, you know, and that kind of vision across Ontario is it's what's making things happen, uh, especially in this area. Minister? Yeah, obviously, um, the, the government of Ontario had a huge part to play. Um, by the fact that they're actively involved in the process. A billion dollars committed by the province to make sure that this process is going to be funded, that it was going to be uh, supported fully uh, by the province and, and, uh, and the Premier. And uh, this is an all-of-government approach for, uh, for, the, for the government. This is, of course, we're looking at this much, much bigger than just uh, a mining project. Uh, this is a quarter that will see uh, transmission, uh, Wi-Fi. They'll see the uh, uh, electrification of the of the uh, communities, um, and uh, as well the road, as well as the roads. So this is transformational. We see this as being transformational uh, as well, uh, from the point of view of, of the fact that um, we're supporting the process, and the process is is led by the indigenous communities because this is this is the vision for the for the uh, for the communities thank you i wanted to just touch on that one 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 comment about the the hydro one announced initiative right and these initiatives really seem to be changing the landscape in a in a good way you know what is the implication um, you know to support infrastructure development specific to the ring of fire as it relates to this type of an announcement I think it. I think it, it adds uh, to the layers of, of aspirations. You know, like the, you know, when you have an enabling environment like that, and, and potential partners. I mean, you know, the 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 uh, what is it four or five remote communities in the Matau area? They're not connected. You know, on the west side, it's Wate Power, and they're getting connected. You know, through transmission lines, and the east them is, is Five Nations Energy. Those James Bay communities are connected. So you have a, a set of communities in the remote Ontario where they're not connected. And so they, you know, they, they probably see that, feel that, and, and have uh, visions around that. Thank you. And, you know, uh, we've seen internationally renowned companies, and I'm going to go there, you know, take an interest in the Ring of Fire recently. Wailu Metals acquired Norant you know, recognizing this generational opportunities I've heard that exists in this region. What are some other positive signs um, that, that progress is being made as it relates to the Ring of Fire? We, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, I think, you know, everybody around the world, I think, is looking at this Ring of Fire, the, the opportunities that are there in terms of, you know, talk about critical minerals, uh, you know, as a source, for, you know, and uh, I think there is still a lot to do in terms of uh, explorations. You know, what is out there in that Ring of Fire uh, area, and uh, I know I do get calls a lot. I'm sure the chief does too every day. You know, everybody wants wants a piece of the action there up there, right? But, you know, we, but we have to follow a process. You know, first thing we need to do is this environmental assessment process that we need to do. You know, and just with my own experience, like say I haven't worked in the Ministry of Environment. You know, the industrial pollution that I saw over the years. You know, 
you know, for me it was a wake-up call when I started with the Ministry of Environment back then. First thing they sent me out there was a fish kill in the city of Thunder Bay, you know. I used to hear fish kills down in Florida somewhere, you know, when I was young. And here it is in, in my backyard, you know. And that's the thing that really drives me when I talk about environmental issues, you know. Is, is that impact that I saw the first back way back about 30, 40 years ago, you know. And I still keep that in my mind when I talk about environmental issues, uh, you know, because, you know, I've lived with that when I worked there. And I've saw the damage that industry has done, you know, saw the water quality degradation that happened over, over the years. And this is the thing that uh, always, you know, I sit around the table talking to people government, you know, industry, and I always keep that in mind, you know. And to this day, our First Nations memberships, that's a concern they have, that, that uh, degrading the land, you know. Because the river system is their, their travel routes, that's the, their route system. You know, when they travel, they just take a uh, pot of water from the river, you know, they drink that water. So that is uh, where the First Nations are coming from when they talk about, you know, development just scares them, you know, to help, right? And, and that's what we're trying to avoid when we sit around the table with industry, government, you know, government regulators. And I know that uh, they're putting us through the ropes when they do our environmental assessment, not just province of Ontario, but the federal government too, under their environmental assessment. So, you know, so we're trying to do the best we can, you know, and uh, I hope people hear that from me, that, that, that they're against development, you know, because uh, when you look at our communities, you know, the uh, the life there is not the best, right? We live in third world country conditions. And so this is what we're trying to, you know, the better lives of our future generation. I think that's what we're talking about here. You know, looking at job opportunities and, you know, maybe training opportunities. And I think, uh, you know, the, um, look, you know, because I've studied, I've looked at people from the our communities, you know, like I said, I've been to all the communities in that territory. And, you know, people are happy the way they live, but, you know, but the, the, the life could be better, you know. I remember one time I went to one community and we were talking about self-government. And these elderly people said, you know, I'm happy the way I am. I got a roof on my head. You know, but I think the young people want something better than that today. You know, I think they want a good education, they want a good jobs, and I think uh, I think we're doing the right thing, trying to find like you know uh, something that's going to be beneficial for our youth, and that's the way I look at it. You know, so hopefully that uh, you know we we accomplish something. You know. And I think what we're doing right now, at least the two communities, is very tangible what we're, what we're doing here. You know, we're not sitting around the table and we're talking with chiefs and elders. You know, we're moving forward. So I think that's really the key, and I think we need to sustain that, that, you know, that we move forward. Thank you. I want to build on that, and I'd like to ask uh, Chief Bruce, um, you know, what do you hope, and Chief Obas, you know, that projects like the Ring of Fire will bring to the future of our communities and for the future of the youth, as we talked about? Good day. Thank you for that question. For us, you know, as Lawrence said, uh, it means uh, improving the quality of life for our members uh, and, and for our, our communities. Like, <clears throat> from what I understand, from the proposed Ring of Fire development. This will be the, uh, one, one of the largest uh, developments in, in Ontario and, you know, in, in relation to mining, uh, just because of the, uh, the size of the, uh, the, the, the 
potential deposits, the deposits that are there now, and 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 the future, uh, the future exploration finds in, in that area. It's ongoing. I don't think uh, all of the uh, claims have been quantified, but uh, you know, getting back to uh, the question, you know, uh, you know, for us it means uh, moving towards uh, self determination, self self sufficiency, and uh, and. Uh, alleviating uh, uh, the dire conditions that uh, the communities are in now, uh, 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 communities uh, surrounding the Ring of Fire. Uh, you know, uh, there's reports out there uh, from, uh, from our communities, our organizations, that uh, there's chronic under, underfunding of housing, housing programs, uh, lack of recreation, uh, uh, infrastructure, and, and, and Lack of uh, uh, services that you know you find in urban centers uh, like daycares and and uh, other facilities. So you know we're trying to improve uh, our way of life by building up our infrastructure. So you know we need to have uh, 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 the governments uh, of the day, both the federal and Ontario government, come to the table and address those issues because you know. A mine can start there, but uh, but for our people to be involved in in, in in working there, you know, in the end they have to come to they have to come home and have a place to live. So you know that's that's what strikes me today about uh, where we are. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, uh, for Webukay, I think, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for our community as well, too, you know, in terms of uh, <clears throat> improving our community, our community infrastructure and also other other services in our community, including education and health for our community. So, uh, so we look forward, uh, you know, to uh, working together, you know, with government, with other First Nations as well, too. Um, for Webuka, we, we do have a vision of our own for our community where we develop, you know, uh, a system uh, that, uh, that that can sustain our community in, in the near future. You know, for us, you know, we have uh, our reserve, which is, uh, you know, the tier one. And then, and then we have the second tier, which is, uh, you know, uh, our way of life, uh, you know, where we want to... Uh, where we want to uh, uh, keep our culture and 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 and, uh, and also uh, introduce or, or or work with our people in in maintaining our culture, and the third uh, tier would be the uh, would be the uh, uh, you know the uh, the opportunity where we would have uh, agreements with uh, with government and also industry. Uh, it would be a, mu a mutual benefit area for our people where we would get our resources to be able to develop uh, one and two. So it's a vision for our community. Uh, I also uh, uh, have said previously that, uh, you know, as, you know, the, the ring of fire develops, that we want to see uh, parallel activity uh, in our community as well, too. You know, our communities, uh, uh, develop parallel in parallel with the uh, ring of fire development, you know, as we move forward. And I think we have made uh, a lot of progress moving moving towards that. But I think uh, we need to uh, be more active in, in that sense uh, to accommodate our, our vision. Uh, also, uh, that we need to be, uh, you know, cognizant of the other First Nations, uh, their concerns as well, too. We need to uh, be able to, uh, you know, to be open and, and work together and uh, come up with, uh, you know, some solutions or some uh, options that, that can work for for us and all parties as well too as we move forward. So we're, you know, we're, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, uh, uh, interested and also uh, we're hopeful that uh, as we move forward, that some of the aspirations that we have in our communities will be 
will be, uh, you know, uh, materialized into into reality. So, uh, so that's what I'm hoping for for our young generation. I know, uh, I know the young generation is moving into the future, new things, new technology, a new way of life. But we also want to be able to keep our culture, you know, within our community and also our language, you know. Language is very important to us as well, too. You know, for our community up in Guadalupe, we still use, you know, uh, a lot of our language in the community, but uh, but we still have to work on instilling that language within our young people. And that's why uh, elders are very important to be part of this process, too, as well, too, and also the women. So uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, working together and uh, making sure that uh, all parties uh, prosper and benefit from uh, from the future, uh, you know, development uh, of the Ring of Fire. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Minister, I might ask you a question now. Uh, you know, we've, there's a lot of geopolitical pressures um, that we're facing globally, and so, you know, uh, when you think of the Ring of Fire. You know, how is that relevant in terms of your, your strategy, uh, your critical mineral strategy, and how does that factor in some of these? Well, things? certainly everybody in this room is aware of what's happening in the Ukraine with the illegal attack by Russia attacking the Ukraine. Uh, we know, and everybody around this uh, room knows exactly how it's impacted the supply chains. Europe right now is being held ransom because Russia holds most of the energy that Europe owns. We all also know that, in fact, the Chinese uh, control most of the production of rare earths in China and also control the, the uh, cobalt that's produced in, in, uh, in the Congo. Uh, in fact, the federal government has uh, just recently announced the fact that the, uh, the Chinese will not be allowed to participate in the rare earth opportunities or the opportunities with critical, critical metals in, in Canada. Um, so that's an obvious sign that is is uh, that should be uh, everybody should be aware of the fact of the what these uh, what the what the type of world we live in right now. Um, and fundamentally, when we look at the Ring of Fire and other other areas in Ontario that we have that uh, hold critical minerals, this is an unbelievable opportunity to match the mineral potential in Ontario, Northern Ontario. The Ring of Fire being the uh, largest undeveloped. Uh, source of rare earths and, and critical minerals uh, perhaps in the globe to be matched with the uh, processing in, in, in other parts of northern Ontario but the manufacturing facilities in southern Ontario. So we end up with a supply secure, a supply, supply, uh, secure supply chain. Uh, and again, um, I think finally, uh, those in the, in the mining industry have known how important this is, but finally, I think the citizens of Ontario realize how important it is to have secure uh, supply chains. We, um, uh, we have a, um, well, a real team of Ontario really on this, on this, uh, this project. Um, you, every single day, and we're expecting more in the next couple of weeks, uh, significant announcements on the in, in investments in, in battery minerals. Uh, technology and EVs in, in, in Ontario and matching them with the mineral potential in, in northern Ontario uh, was, is really what must happen if we're going to have a uh, secure uh, supply chain. The, the real uh, opportunity here as well is, of course, um, to have full participation. Um, we've got good relationships with, uh, with NRCAN and the federal, and federal government, but uh, more now than ever, we need the federal participation in, the, in funding. Uh, as you know, the province has uh, announced a billion dollars investment in this, uh, in this infrastructure, and it's, now, uh, it's now, now the time for the federal government to uh, get their pens out and sign a check. The opportunities with the Indigenous community has been well expressed, and their vision on what they, they see that, that, uh, that, will, uh, will, that will accrue to the communities for a healthier and, and stronger communities. So we, this project and these projects do exactly uh, what's required for all of society, not just in Ontario, but in, in, in Canada. Thank you.
We have, uh, I think, a few minutes left and, and, and a bunch of questions that have come in, so I've got my other phone here. Um, and, and I want to just ask this group, and one of the questions is, what is the best way to build a respectful relationship with other chiefs that may not currently support the development of the Ring of Fire? Any words of wisdom, any thoughts there? I think it's there. The relationships, I mean, uh, like Treaty 9 chiefs, they're, they're part of Treaty 9, and they, they, they work with each other, you know, in other forms, you know, within that treaty area, outside the treaty area with the uh, Chiefs of Ontario. I've seen them at the Assembly of First Nations last week. Uh, so it's there for certain things, you know, and, and, uh, and then there's uh, issues that have to be worked out, you know, and, and, and I think part of it's this uh, undrip. United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, and people focus a lot on, on FPIC, the Free Prior Informed Consent. There's many other clauses in there that's being invoked uh, by these two communities, right? So the, the right to self-determination. So you got to think about that, you know, Indigenous aspirations, you know, presupposes Indigenous autonomy, which, you know, it, it sort of equates to Indigenous uh, agency. So I think these two communities really, uh, they, they're not there to be age, you know, victims of development, but agents of development in a way that's going to balance their environmental stewardship responsibilities and improve the quality of life for their communities. I mean, that's, that's the message that, that they're trying to convey, I guess, to their, to their um, peers you know, uh, in, in the region and elsewhere. But just like as a part of the geopolitical dynamic is the environmental NGOs. You know, that come in there ends up being sort of proxy voices, you know, for, for different interests. And so we deal with that too, you know, um, in, in our process. So we invite them, you know, if they got things to say about the road that, uh, you know, they want to um, shape it, you know, uh, enhance it in a, in a way where, where they're to listen. Thank you. Yeah, me from, uh, of course, you know, my, my career was all in, in, uh, in mining. Um, we built the Muscle White Mine just a little uh, west of the Ring of Fire. Um, and that's, that was, uh, developing that muscle wine mine was a kind of a torturous process. It was discovered in 1968, and I think it was finally uh, built in, in 1996, because I, uh, I think it just had a 25th, 25th anniversary. And back in the early 90s, we were already negotiating with the five, five nations that were, were going to be signatory to the agreements that were going to be required for the, uh, to get the MOU signed and NIBA signed. And uh, let me say that the toughest thing that you can gain is trust. So if in fact you're going to be successful in any of your negotiations with the First Nations, trust is absolutely essential. It's the hardest thing to get. It's the easiest thing to lose. And you must remember this. The, the words that you say to the First Nations chiefs, the indigenous people, have to be true. They're not just academic words. You must speak the truth to gain trust. And when you do, you've got the best partners in the world. That's absolutely essential, trust. This was a, a great conversation and we've come to time and uh, so I'd like to maybe um, just offer an opportunity to the panel just uh, for any uh, final thoughts or remarks. First. Go ahead. I, I think that, that there's, there's changes in the air. Like, uh, you know, I've been, you know, I had less gray hair when this all started 15 years ago. I don't know where you guys were 15 years ago, but uh, that's how long I've been in, in this uh, scenario. And uh, there's, there's, you know, the indigenous-led projects uh, with uh, Wailu buying uh, Norant or, or Ring of Fire medals now with Steve, you know, at our table, um, and, and the um, vision they have for um, how they want to develop, you know, uh, as, uh, you know, zero emissions if possible, green energy, maximum indigenous participation. I'm pretty sure that's, you know, that's what was told to us, uh, and that's the vision they have, uh, and. Um, uh, with, with, with Ontario, I mean, what matters is the two communities right now, you know, supporting them with the momentum because they're going to make it happen, you know, um, and um, they're there to facilitate, not frustrate. Thank you. 
Well, I'd like to agree with Minister Fury about having trust. You know, uh, remember years ago, I was a chief back then, back in the 90s, and I was dealing with a forestry company. And I was telling my mother about that we were involved in a forestry company, that, you know, and they were going to do a, a number of things for the First Nations. And my mother says, Kundamawin. That means, you know, it's probably not true. You know, that's what she said. So back then, they didn't trust, they didn't trust companies back then. But I think we're building that trust slowly, you know. And it, and it has to come from both sides, you know. And I can remember the first time I started this job, I went, uh, my cousin's here somewhere. Him and I went to a chief and council meeting dealing with with a consulting company. And there was a former chief there sitting at the end of the table. And there was this, just, I felt a tension, you know, between the two big uh, two parties there. And there was an impasse. They didn't know where to go, how to move forward. And I said to the consultants that just came in, I said, why don't you guys go take a walk for an hour? And my cousin and I will go take a walk. I said, you chief and council, you make a decision how you're going to run this meeting. You know. So we, you know, we left, both of us, they came back, you know. I think that was the start of uh, our working together as, as, as a group, you know, that you know, it doesn't have to be hostile, you know, immediately, right, you know. Those hostilities sometimes probably will generate themselves as you go down that route, you know, because you're going to have disagreements. How are you going to move forward, right? You know, it's just a fact. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have to be very conciliatory from time to time to, to move forward. And, uh, you know, I mean, many times we state our position in dealing with government, you know. And, uh, for instance, when we're dealing initially with, uh, with uh, the road, we wanted a road, uh, a road to Martin Falls. The government came back and said, no, we're not going to entertain one road to the Ring of Fire. And we said, before that happens, Martin Falls wants a road to you know, the community. And, uh, you know, and that's part of negotiations, you know. This is what we want. Before anything happens uh, at, at the, uh, the Ring of Fire, we have to have a road to Martin Falls. And, you know, and part of that reason was that once that road is built to the Ring of Fire, you know, we have access, you know, so that, uh, you know, people can travel that road, they can have access to the Ring of Fire if, they, if they're going to work over there. So, you know, that was part of the idea. And, you know, and, uh, you know, so uh, we, we were th thinking long term, you know, not short term, but it is, like you say, you know, you read that this uh, mine, like, is gonna be there for about, kind of mine that for 100 years, next 100 years, you know? And who knows what else is there, so. And uh, I think that's uh, what we're looking at, opportunities for membership, job opportunities, training is the key, you know? And so they have to go hand in hand somehow, you know? And, and that would be somebody else's job, <laughs> you know. We're just looking at building the road, you know. And, and where we start is uh, where we're at right now to deal with environmental uh, processes. Thank you. Chief Bruce, Chief Fubas. Good day, sir. Chief Bruce, uh, at Neskom. Thank you, and uh, I take my... Uh, my uh, colleague and uh, Elder uh, Lawrence for uh, his uh, comments. You know, I think that uh, uh, the uh, the process is uh, previously previously worked on, like the regional framework agreement. You know, it started out with good intentions to uh, to more or less uh, uh, address uh, community issues in in the region especially those community, uh, communities that, that were most impacted uh, by the Ring of Fire uh, 
that would be most impacted by the Ring of Fire development. And you know, you know, I had a had a, we had like Lawrence said, we had worked with the, the previous government and 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 set forward that you know, uh, the previous Ontario government that we set forward that you know, uh, we, you know, this is this is uh, this is our initial uh, request from the government that you know we not be left left behind in in any development and that you have to uh you have to approve your your uh your words are right your the words of trust that uh, the minister has has spoken today that uh, that he holds that uh, and that mutual respect and uh, and that uh, that relationship that will be built with the first nations in the region especially those first nations that are like the matwa first nation uh, communities that are that are that will be impacted by the development you know we have to find a, a way to uh, address uh, their concerns and um uh, my my question is uh you know to the government would be uh why not start a, a process so that you know a table again so that you know we may address those those issues because uh you know as as i see it you know if if we don't have the willing participants from the other communities in the nearby uh area you know uh things will be delayed and even halted you know there's that potential uh that there's that potential scenario that that may happen because aboriginal and treaty rights uh, have gotten stronger over the years and, and many first nations have won court cases and uh that's what uh, I think Industry Canada wants. You want project certainty. Uh, we want uh, certainty in uh, in the issues that uh, we put forward to government, and we can't we can no longer be ignored. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to discuss uh, the issue about development in the in our area. Um, I see a lot of uh, potential there opportunities, training, and and uh, prosperity for our communities. And uh, and I would like to see, you know, us working together, uh, developing, uh, you know, uh, a relationship that, 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 that can, you know, move us forward to, to a better future for our communities, uh, especially our young people, our, uh, you know, our infrastructure in our communities. Like I was saying, I'd like to see a parallel, uh, you know, activity happening in our area where we see development uh, happening in, in the area and we see development happening in our communities at the same time. And also uh, to have the resources to be able to have, you know, education, health and the well-being of our people uh, throughout the, you know, the process of developing the, uh, the Ring of Fire. We want to, uh, you know, be left behind, like we said, and uh, we like to see, uh, you know, uh, good relationships and uh, and, and also uh, an opportunity to uh, be involved in the process like we are now. And uh, and, and we're looking forward, you know, to, uh, to be able to accomplish a lot of good things uh, for, for ourselves and our communities. Uh, you know, uh, all those that are involved in, in the process. So we look forward to, uh, you know, good relationship and, and being able to understand each other as we move forward. Thank you. Thank you. Final words. Excellent. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much to everyone for being here and our panel for your time and and thoughtful consideration on the opportunities that the Ring of Fire can bring to Ontario and for setting an example of how folks can work together. Um, I'd now like to call upon Ron Birnbaum, uh, CEO and founder of Pear Tree Canada, to deliver the appreciation remarks. Thank you, Sal. I just, uh, I just have about three minutes of uh, well-deserved thank yous. Um, First of all, let me take the opportunity um, to express, I think, everybody's appreciation and thanks to the panel members for their commitment to enhancing the quality of life in Northern Ontario and elsewhere. 
I think the minister sort of hit the nail on the head that yes, it's about about reserves and and mining, but it's all about the quality of life and how things can be better. And everybody on this panel have demonstrated their lifelong commitments to helping others, which is I think usually appreciated. We all know, in the those of us in the exploration um, sector, that with exploration comes mine development, and with mine development comes everything from electricity to, and with electricity, potable water, and basically just a much better quality of life if done right. I'd especially like to thank Chiefs uh, uh, Bruce and uh, Cornelius for sharing their insights. I think there's a I think we all agree that there's a, a sense of an evolving optimism that this will actually get done um, in a collective commitment uh, for, the, for the greater common good, um, and in some respects for the sovereignty of Canada with critical minerals. Uh, Lawrence, uh, thank you for your insights and, uh, and experience uh, from uh, Martin Falls, and Michael for your experience in Indigenous consultation. This work is critical to the success of resource projects uh, in Ontario and across Canada. And I don't think I'm saying anything that we haven't already heard um, um, at, at some, uh, with, with, with great um, enthusiasm by, the, by all the panel uh, uh, participants. Uh, I'd especially like to thank uh, Minister Peary for, for coming here today, but moreover for running for provincial parliament. I know that was a big risk, uh, the change in life. And, and congratulate him, as we all do, for, uh, for his win. For those of us who have been advocating for evidence-based government tax incentives in the mining sector, and in the case of Pear Tree, that goes back more than a decade, um, it is remarkable to have somebody across the table who's a domain expert, who knows more than, than, than what we're talking about, who gets it, understands it, has lived it, knows the challenges, and understands what needs to get done. But with that, we expect to see, I suppose, you know, real-world substantive policy advancing the uh, northern resource development. Um, Minister Peary, one, just one comment, and that is some months ago, you made a speech in which you said that we need to look no further than the east side of James Bay to the Quebec side for the templates and approaches that have resulted in very significant exploration and development in that province's north. There are folks in this room who can teach the master class in delivering public and shareholder value under the Quebec rules and who are standing by to help. And of course, I'm referring to Cisco Mining CEO, John Brzezinski, who can attest and inform on how that system results in tremendous successes uh, as seen in Cisco's Malarctic find some years ago uh, and uh, now being replicated at Windfall. That said, both he and I can confirm that the biggest single tool in the toolbox in accelerating broad and immediate investment is through provincial um, investment tax credits as an add-on to the flow-through regime. Mr. Perry, you've heard this from me before, but by way of very real-time example, and then I'll conclude, on April the 7th of this year, the federal government passed a critical mineral tax credit. Um, last year, Peartree did just over 500 million in flow through, of which less than 3% were in critical minerals. In the first quarter of this year, less than 3% were in critical minerals. Since April the 7th, we have done $80 million in a dozen deals. That's $80 million of flow through investment, which results in $80 million of, of accretive jobs in the north. Of those uh, dozen transactions, only one was for Ontario. Of the $80 million, $60 million was for Quebec exploration in critical minerals. There's a direct causal line between a tax credit and taxable activity in the north. The Quebec tax credits um, outperform the Ontario ones. And uh, again, and it would be very helpful and suggest to you, sir, that as a first commitment, that the, Canadian, that the Ontario tax credits be increased as a first step for critical minerals and then expanded because we'll see the, the activity that, you so, uh, that, you, that we all want to see in the north and in the ring of fire. Um, really hope that three years from now, uh, we at another lunch such as this, and we'd be happy to sponsor it, um, that we look back and celebrate your successes, Minister Peary, um, and seeing greater investments in Ontario's northern communities um, and the good that comes from that investment. Um, thank you all for joining us today for this really important conversation.
Thanks, uh, thanks again to all our sponsors and everyone joining us today in person or online. Um, to the esteemed panelists, as a club of record, uh, all of our Empire Club events are available to watch and listen to on our website. The recording of this event will be available shortly and everyone registered will receive a link uh, in, uh, through an email. In the new year, on Thursday, January the 12th, join us for our annual investment outlook. Our esteemed speakers will share their expertise to help businesses and Canadians understand how to preserve and grow their wealth. Thank you for joining us today. We invite you to stay and join us in the lobby for continued networking. Have a great afternoon. See you in the new year and uh, this meeting is now adjourned. Mm -hmm.